Well, we got here uh, just a few minutes ago from Middleton. I tell you, I, I, listened to the, I listened to our speaker this morning, and my heart was stirred. I'm pumped up. This is a great day for us. And if I could take one minute of personal privilege before I introduce John to you, and uh, Vicki, is Vicki here too? Oh, there, she's back here. We'll introduce them both, yes. Some years ago, Carolina and I left our home church to go to seminary. Uh, we had a two-year-old boy. We found out a week before we were leaving that we were expecting our second child. We loaded our stuff up, arrived in Kansas City with $12 in our pocket, no place to live, not accepted in seminary, and no job. Typical stuff. Well, God helped us in those first 48 hours to solve those issues. Carolita's sister also had just moved to Kansas City, so we had a place to stay. But by the time the weekend was over, we had a home, I had a job, and I was accepted in school. There was only one problem. Uh, there was more month than there was money coming in. We learned that God was taking care of us. We knew. We left with that idea. But we had a faith promise that we'd made in our home church that we had not yet given. Made a year before, before we even knew we were going to do all this stuff. And it was due, I say due, the, the end of the church year was April 1st. And so right about the 30th, 1st of March, at 10.30 at night, I got my checkbook out and wrote a check for those $300. And before I could say no to myself, I walked down to the post office to the post box of the bottom of the hill and mailed that check. The only problem is that the check that uh, I was going, that I had written would have wiped out my first of the month salary and we would have no money for the month. I came home from work the next day, picked up the mail, and there was an envelope. And in it was a check from my grandmother, who had never given me any money in my whole life. She gave me lots of love, but no money. There was a check for $300. It was a promise that we had made by faith. And the promises we make by faith, God will help us to accomplish. I invite you today to make a promise by faith. And to remember that we have a missionary work that is unparalleled in the, in the world. And we have the privilege of supporting that today in a very concrete way. Well, our speaker for the day is uh, John Moore and his wife, Vicki, over here. You'll have a chance to meet them. They are a wonderful team. They are a partnership. They are 50-50, or maybe I should say 100-100 on this, on what they're doing. And John has one of those amazing jobs. We are working in 164 different areas in the world, and that's all divided up into smaller groups we call fields, and we have a field strategy coordinator. Bill Kwan, you remember, was here. That's what he is. He's an FSC. And um, John has the privilege of training and the orientation for all the FSCs around the world. So he knows all those things that are going on in every country. He is aware of, as anybody in the Church of the Nazarene, of the stuff that's happening. And he's here today to tell us about that. And uh, we first met in England, uh, not in England, in Hungary, uh, what, about 40 years ago? I can't remember exactly. Uh, they, they were missionaries, and we were missionaries in France. And over the years, we've seen each other from time to time. But it's great to have John with us today. And uh, he's got 
a good word for us. You will not leave here exactly the way you were when you came in today. You're going to feel great about what God is doing through the Church of the Nazarene around the world. Come on, John. But, honey, where's the microphone here? Um, I want, she's, she's going to share something. It, it was only a trial separation, and it didn't work out, so <laughs> here we are. Yeah. It's really, it's, it really is nice to be here. I, got, I thought this morning I'd be able to mingle and visit with several of you and meet new friends, and I met some old friends from high school days in California and spent all the time catching up. So what a pleasant surprise. And then so many of you that I remember from yesterday, um, how we have deep roots together. And we, you know, if you sit and talk to a Nazarene anywhere in the world, you find out you're probably related. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. Anyway, it is good to be here. And part of what we're here for is just to thank you for your faithfulness over the years. Um, you may not know how integrated you are into the work of missionaries, the homes we live in, the cars we drive, um, all of the prayers that are said on our behalf and on behalf of the different places in the world. So part of what we're here for is to just say thank you. So thank you for what you do for World Mission and have done for us. Uh, when, when a mission couple or individual is called into service for the church, it's not just a personal call. There's the family. Uh, if you have children, it's a family call. If you have a sending church, which we all do, it's the sending church's mission as well. And so we do this together. Do you have a picture? Here we are. Look at these guys. Aren't they great? Four kids and their spouses. And um, we did have six grandsons. Do you see? Them? Yeah, there they are. They're the boys. And uh, we were at it. Well, we thought the windows of heaven had closed in regard to a granddaughter. Okay. We were, we're fine with the boys. They're great. And we were at a district assembly about a year and a half ago, and we showed them this picture. And they had prayer for us and said, what the Moors really need is a granddaughter, which I agreed with, but I didn't want to upset anybody's faith. So I hadn't been praying that way because I knew better that we weren't having any more. And that I was wrong. Grandma was wrong. See, isn't she beautiful? That's Ellie Mae, and she just turned nine months this last week. And what a gift she is to all of her cousins and brothers. So anyway, I just wanted to introduce you to the family, and they're, they're your missionary family as well. And thank you for treating them so well over the years and making them part of a big family. Is that it? So a movement of God begins with the people of God, it begins with families and individuals. And um, if you were to imagine what the Church of the Nazarene looked like around the world, just step back with me and imagine we're suspended over this little blue marble we live on and ask yourself the question, what would the Church of the Nazarene look like all over the world if we could see it? Vicki and I have been privileged to serve on three of the regions. And what we've discovered is we are this incredible network of relationships, friendships. We really are family. One sociologist said you're like a, a big extended global family. This morning in your Middleton church, uh, Vicki, I met Sherry Evans, who when we were 15 and 16, when Vicki and I met, Sherry, who attends your Middleton church, was on the same Nazarene evangelistic team that Vicki and I were on. And I hadn't seen her since we were uh, probably 
17 or 18 when we went to Point Loma. I shouldn't say that here, I know. But, and, uh, and she went up here. We hadn't seen her. And this morning she said, are you less more? That's my twin brother, okay? And I said, no, I'm his twin brother. And she said, do you know who I am? And I looked at her very close. And it was just amazing. I could see. I said, Sherry, it's you. And we hugged each other. Isn't that a beautiful thing, the connectedness that, that God gives us? My, my twin brother's name, by the way, is Les Moore. <laughs> we were in New Mexico. There was a, a gunslinger named Les Moore. And his tombstone is there. Vicky and I went and saw it in a graveyard. And it says, here lies Les Moore, shot dead with a forty-four. No less, no more. <clears throat> so I'm not less. I'm a lot better looking than he is, by the way. So he lives over here in Wilder somewhere. But anyway, we are this global family. And you are connected as a member of this local church with 164 nations today, a church that has grown rapidly. You, you can attend worship in more countries in the church of Nazarene then you can buy a Starbucks coffee or uh, get a McDonald's hamburger. That's how widely distributed we are as a family. And you as a local church, you're, you're connected to all those people around the world, and you're connected to a district. And your district is connected to a field, and that field is connected to a region, and those six regions are connected to a general assembly that meets once every four years, and you elect an international board made up of people from a bunch of those countries. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the family of God that you read about in Revelations, where every tribe, <laughs> every language, every ethnic group is our family, brought together by God the Father through His Son and the Spirit. That's who we are. You, you are very unique. One of only four churches that have that structure I just shared with you. Out of over 30,000 denominations, you're unique. And not only that, you give more to missions per capita than any other denomination. Christianity Today magazine said, except for Christian Missionary Alliance. That's how dedicated you have been from the beginning, making Christ-like disciples. An illustration of that is the Jesus film. You've heard of Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ. When his board in the 70s looked for a church that could distribute the Jesus film around the world, who did they select? You, me. So today, you, you, you operate 920 Jesus film teams around the world. You bought those motorbikes. Vicki and I have seen them in crates. Franklin, is that you? No. I'm looking for Franklin Cook. Okay, I thought I'm not seeing too good this morning. But we've, we've seen these crates in countries where Franklin was the RD. And you bought those helmets and those, the, the films that are in the back of those helmets. I was in this village. They had never heard the name Jesus until you went and preached and showed them the Jesus film. Suddenly, you had 300 brand-new brothers and sisters that knelt and wanted to follow Christ with you. Now, that's the challenge of a missionary and the teams to try and begin to disciple them in the faith. And so you support these teams that go back in there and make disciples and try and raise up leaders. That's what we do. You're connected to Ukraine today uniquely because you're a part of the church in Nazarene. Very uniquely connected. Uh, you know the refugee issue. One of our field directors, Trino, here in the top picture, told me just recently, John, virtually every Nazarene church in the surrounding countries around Ukraine are refugee centers. They've turned their churches into bedrooms, and they've welcomed the hungry, the, 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 the uh, disenfranchised, those fleeing for their lives. And just showing you the structure, your district superintendent, and then your pastor. Now think of the structure I just shared with you. And then the people, these are in Moldova, your Nazarene brothers and sisters, who have turned their bedrooms into 
centers for refugees, their very own homes. And you bought the material that was shipped through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. Without you and 31,000 other churches, that vital ministry would not be going on in Ukraine today. And as I said, they've turned their churches into bedrooms. And this center was rented. Jay and Tiana Sundberg, I think you probably know them. They rented this facility and they welcome mothers and children into that center and then get them a ticket to go somewhere else, generally in Europe, where they can be with friends or families elsewhere until the war is over. And then you've been operating for years 10 rehab centers for men and women addicted in Ukraine. You run those. You operate them. And it's a beautiful thing to see the strategy and the structure because you run micro-businesses. You loan money. Did you know that? You loan money to people who want to get a start. And this cabinet shop, has anybody been to this cabinet shop here? I know know you've been involved in this. Or this pool that raises fish. I love the way these guys fish. They drain the pool, scoop the fish off the bottom, take it to market, and that money runs the, the center for the next several months. That's the strategic, sustainable plan. So you help get it going, but then we think through, how do we do mission here? How do we make Christ-like disciples? You've been doing that over 120 years. Making Christ-like disciples. Jesus said when this gospel has been preached to every ethnic group as a witness, then the end will come. And that's what you've been doing as a Nazarene. Recently, you sent out this group of missionaries. Just last year, you sent out this group of missionaries. Every February, March, you send out another group of global missionaries. There are two kinds of missionaries now after our restructuring in the Church of Nazarene. There's global, like Vicki and I, we're lifelong, you've paid our salary. Your faith promise pays our salary. And then there's the sponsored missionary. Like many of you, you've been on work and witness trips. We met a young woman, Rebecca. I don't know if you're here this morning, Rebecca, but we met you yesterday in the uh, missions meeting we had here. And Rebecca just happened to say over the table, she, was, she had a master's degree in Braille and uh, in uh, ministry teaching and so forth, and she was learning Korean. Well, immediately we thought, Vicki and I thought, oh, Korean Nazarene University. They need people like you. Would you be interested in going and serving? She said, God's been putting in that my heart. I want to go serve. I'd like to go live there one or two years. So I gave her the regional personnel coordinator's email. She wrote him. I got the email last night. And Rebecca, you will be probably sending her at some point, Pastor Scott, over there to serve in KNU. That wonderful connectedness and network and your faith promise makes the spot she won't you won't pay her salary you won't even pay her airfare she will pay her own airfare her salary you'll probably provide room and board for her but it's this that develops that whole structure that makes you punch way beyond our weight as a little denomination a young denomination and I don't want to act like Vicky and I have been out there doing ministry alone. We, you guys have been doing this for years. You've been doing the mission, not just abroad, like these pictures of you serving around the world, but you've been doing it right here in your own city. You're on a mission. You know, everybody here, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a mission. And you are missional because that's one of the three core values of the church of the Nazarene. And you may not be a missionary using your cross-cultural, you know, gifts. You may not have cross-cultural gifts. Vicki and I have those. God's given them to us. But you do missions. Missions is what we do together as the Holy Spirit orchestrates His church. You and me. Like Rebecca yesterday. That was the Holy Spirit putting us at the same table, directing His church. So thank you for what you've been doing, as Vicki said. You sent us to Eurasia, this part of the world, 
Pastor Scott and I and Vicki drove from Budapest, Hungary. I think we, we might have picked you up from the airport. I don't remember that part, but I remember driving way across the border to Romania and uh, Ukraine, and, and then we left you there. We had to go somewhere else. But you're, you served there with a group of people for a week. Then we moved to this part of the world, uh, Asia Pacific, and as I mentioned, we've lived 15 years there. Australia has been our home. These are some of your Nazarene brothers and sisters hanging around down there. The Aussies are wonderful people. You probably recognize some of them from General Assembly or when they visit over here. But we love, we love living in Australia. And I'll tell you, you have some committed Nazarenes in Australia that are the most committed people in very, very difficult postmodern, post-Christian circumstances of any place in the world. And they're your brothers and sisters, and boy, we, we love them. And by the way, this little box, thanks for buying the houses that Vicki and I have lived in all of our lives. This is not one of them, okay? This is a, this is a picture of a really nice Australian uh, Queenstown, Queensland uh, building. But and you've taken care of our housing better than this, by the way. This is, a, this is a work and witness project. But this little box, you take this little box. I, I got this out of your lobby this morning. You put your coins or dollar bills in there, you know, one church is not going to build a hospital. You put that together with 31,000 churches, and suddenly you're building schools, child development centers, rehab centers, hospitals, district centers, training centers all over the world. That's what you and I do. Vicki and I were getting ready to retire a few years ago. Vern Ward from your town here called and said, would you guys extend your time with us and come back, a new initiative? And so we said yes after praying. And the last three and a half years, we've spent with 35 field, uh, actually we have 34 fields now, directors, then their spouses, orienting, training, coming alongside of them. We're on Zoom all the time working with them. And a little thing called COVID hit us in March 2020. And our good Nazarene brother uh, from Arizona University, the University of Arizona um, Spate, he spoke to our FSCs, and he said he's an epidemiologist, and uh, he's, he spent about two hours with us on Zoom, and he said, I think you need to cancel your flights for the next two years, and you know what? He was right. COVID has, has really uh, caused problems. One of our district superintendents turned in his, his annual report, seven of his pastors died of COVID, 126 lay people on that district, and we still have places we cannot open up in some countries of the world. The students get, get, can't get back to school. But God, in the midst of all of that, gave us this little thing called Zoom. And Vern Ward told me recently, he said, John, we have never been more connected as a denominational leadership team than we are today. What's that saying? Don't ever waste a, a good, you know, a crisis. You know, make it. Well, the Holy Spirit has helped us. And now these brothers and sisters know each other by first name. Whereas we used to get together once every couple years, now every month, until just recently we're every two months. But that's how God is sending the church. That's how he sent you, and that's how he sent me. Let me give you an illustration of a country during COVID, C Cambodia. Um, during one year, you see the stats there. You did that. Without this, there wouldn't be 61 Nazarene churches who gave 25% of their income in that 12 months, 2020, back to the global mission of the church. That's commitment. These people make two, three, four, five dollars a day, and yet they are giving 25% back because they're so grateful for what you've done over the years. And they're growing. It's a wonderful, wonderful place if you get to Cambodia. You've been buying bicycles for $30 and selling them for 15 so kids could get to school. Because education is one of the four main tracks the Church of the Nazarene has gone down from the beginning. We've gone down evangelism, church planting, and compassion, and education. Those are the four tracks that we have been committed to and been central to our minds as Global Mission is focused on three things. We, we go where the gospel is not yet. We develop leaders and communities and we resource them. Those three things are at the top of our minds every day that we work together. And that's what you've sent us to do. When I was in Cambodia this, uh, the last time, this woman stood up. She said, when I was a little girl, the Khmer Rouge, you've read of the killing fields. 
they came into my village and I dove into the bushes and I lost everybody. Fast forward to just a couple years ago, here she is, she's testifying along with, I mentioned 61 churches. Those pastors, a bunch of them in that room, we were all sharing how Jesus came into our lives. Wonderful testimonies. She said, the church of the Nazarene brought the gospel to me. And she was finishing her 24 courses of study that every Nazarene pastor and elder has taken to be ordained in the church of the Nazarene. That's what you do. She wouldn't be there without you and people like you who are committed to the mission. This is your well outside of the church in Washington, India. You have created fresh water resource for thousands of communities over the last 120 years. I'm a missionary. I come to your village and I say, I've got great for you, new, great news for you. God loves you. It's good news. But half your children are dying before they're five. I mean, what would good news look like to a mom who knew that five-year-old wasn't going to live to be a teenager? Well, it would begin with something like this. And you've cared enough. You know, you guys partner with Philip and Chris Zimmerman, I think, in Germany. We were a part of their working with Church in Action back when we lived in Eurasia. And we still are connected with them. But one night they raised 4,500 euros in a bar as they just fellowship for water wells. And that's what we do. That's who we are. That's our DNA. That's, that's what it means to be a Nazarene, a Wesleyan Nazarene. Here's the other side of the world. Those blue pipes. One of you took a district over there and you, you planted this fresh water resource. I, I watched this little girl carry her big bucket down. You know how heavy that is? And you did that. Without that, she probably wouldn't be a teenager. She wouldn't live to be that old. And there's a church of the Nazarene and a clinic and all kinds of things. Because salvation means whole. It means complete. The word salvation, I've been saved. What does that mean? It means God cares about the whole part of me. So you care about playgrounds for kids and you build them through this. When you do this, you do this. You teach about hygiene. And you work with governments to bring in garbage cans because the people can't even speak the language of the government. So you learn the language and you advocate in the name of Christ. Jesus said, just give a cup of cold water in my name and watch what I do with that. It's what he does with the simple little things that you and I do, creating hope. You own several child development centers around the world. They're amazing places. Vicki and I were in Illinois just a couple months ago. A young woman saw this picture, East Indian. She made a beeline up to us after the service, and she introduced herself, and she said, these are my parents next to me. And she's brown-skinned. They're white-skinned. She said, when you showed Pune, India, that's my home. These people came. You took me off the streets gave me the backpacks and the luggage and everything I needed, the food, and they adopted me, and now I'm in high school here in, I forgot the name of the town, but Illinois. That's what we do. Child development centers all over the world, they happen through this, in Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. In fact, I think, Scott, here's a picture where you were. Those kids, it keeps jumping around, I'm sorry about that, but these kids are from a little village along the border of Ukraine, Hajot Haz or Kishvardis, somewhere out in there. And that's what we do. Some of you might have been to the House of James in Ukraine, and you've seen Sean's ministry. Sean wasn't even a Christian when he saw these kids living in conduits under the road, and the passion of God entered his heart. He went back to Tucson, started speaking in Nazarene churches. They raised money, and he went back and built three houses of James employed pastors to become the parents of those kids. I ran into a pastor recently in Florida just a couple months ago who just spent a month there, and Sean married a Ukrainian woman and lives there. Of course, they fled for their lives for a while, too. They're back, I think, in, in Vinitsa. And then you run homes for children who have been trapped in human trafficking. You pay for a full-time person who oversees 
human trafficking issues in Kansas City or in Lenexa. And this school is just one. In fact, we met a young woman who just spent a month here in one of the churches we were at, that connected system, hearing stories all the time of how God is at work. And then the sustainable plan is, well, you offer degrees that have to do with human trafficking. This is your school in Cebu, Philippines. I had the privilege of speaking at their commencement. 75 graduates in high, from high school or college, rather, and 32 of them had degrees that had to do with human trafficking. Imagine sending out that number of young people every year into the world to offer a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. That's what we do. And you're blessed and privileged to be right across the street from one of these 52 universities we have. And then you've been sponsoring young men like the one on the right-hand side. Those are three field directors. And you, you see Bill Kwan on the left there. You recognize him. And we were standing on the main street of this little village called Rowena's. And Bill was saying the young man on the right is one of 159 young people in this village that have been sponsored by Nazarenes in the West for over a decade. And I asked that young man, what are you studying? He said, medicine. I said, what are you going to do with your degree? He said, I'm going to serve my community. He said, I'll be the first medically trained person that lives in my community of several thousand people in this little village. That's what we do. That changes realities. And then boards, we have some of the most amazing people on boards. I could spend a half an hour on this board right here in Taipei, Taiwan. One of those men oversees a billion-dollar reclamation project in Ho Chi Minh City. Andrew Tsai, he's become a good friend of mine in the black sweater there. He's a quality layman who's just pouring out his life in mission, and he sits on several boards helping us think through strategically mission plans of following Jesus into the world. Here's one behind in a creative access area where we can't really talk about, you know, those details. Here's one in Papua New Guinea where three boards from your three schools there ask us to come and help them develop the next Nazarene University. For the last several years, before we took this ministry that, that we're doing now, I was, um, I was the regional education director for Asia Pacific Region. Now, what, why, the reason I stop here and tell you that is you're looking at a guy who was at 15 years of age was flunking out of high school. I had no vision or plan for my life, and then Christ came into my life, and it changed my life. The next morning after my conversion, I went into my high school counselor's office and I said, Mr. Bueller, I've become a follower of Jesus and I think I'm going to be doing something cross-culturally. And the person praying with me last night said, you got to go to school and get these 24 courses of study done. And Mr. Bueller leaned back in his desk like I can see it, like I'm 71. I, it, this, this is like it's in my mind right now. I can see him lean back. I can see his face. He banged his desk and he said, John, you are not university material. Get that thought out of your head. I said, Mr. Bueller, help me. God has entered my life in a new way. I feel different. I'm, I'm going to do my, okay. And they put me, I, know, I don't know what they call them up here in Idaho, but in my place there in California, they called it a bonehead class. So, and then a teacher who, I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he saved my academic hide. His name was, we called him Red because he had red tennis shoes and red hair every day. Well, obviously red hair every, well, these days, maybe not, but he, he did have red tennis shoes every day. And Red, he gave each of us 12 students in that class a nickname. He saved my life. If you're a teacher, you are a missionary for God. You're on the front line of mission. Don't ever underestimate the impact a person who believes in another person can do to change that person's life. Goethe said, if I treat you as you are, that is what you will remain. If I treat you as you were what you can become... That is what you can become. That's biblical Christianity. And teachers can do that with students. 
And then six months later, I met Vicki right back here. She was a straight-A student. We got married, and now 52 years later, she's still teaching me things. That, you know, She's always been a better student than me. Well, and hardbound books. Some of you will recognize, uh, I just skipped past this picture, but Maria Gustin. And I'm, I, I want to move ahead here a little quickly. In fact, I'm going to go real fast now because I want to finish up in about five minutes here. But hardbound books, you deliver them all over the world. And you go down to, the, you know, this library, three of you got on a plane, flew down there, sponsored missionary, paid your own airfare. We gave you room and board, but you turned that library into a official library that a government would come in and say, okay, you're approved to give accredited education to your students taking those 24 courses. They can go to Harvard or Yale or Princeton or NNU with this degree because it came out of Sydney College of Divinity. And that connectedness and that work, you've been a part of that and made it happen. And then you, you help the faculties and the, the classrooms. You've, you've had Bill, Bill here, Bill Kwan. Well, this is the first class of graduates right here in <clears throat> Indiana of Burmese students from his school, the Chapman University in, in Southeast Asia. So that's what we've been doing. I'm going to jump ahead here real quick. Uh, oh, i got to tell you this one. Vicki and I were teaching this class, about 60 pastors. They had never had a theology course. And this man here was a witch doctor. And he told us how this was his first theology class. And he said, my 14-year-old son was dying. And I, for two years, had tried to heal him, but I couldn't get him healed. So on his deathbed, I called the Christians. They came, they laid their hands, and I saw something I had never seen in my life. My son got well. Within two weeks, he was totally healed. So now he's in the course of study, taking his first course. You're going to have a Nazarene witch doctor in that part of right below Nepal pretty soon. And that's what you do. Imagine the pride of this dad. My dad was a farmer. And imagine his son educated because you sponsored him to one of our schools in South Asia. And here he is now a pastor. And you, you, you made it happen. I hope you see that. This doesn't happen without People like you making a commitment, just caring for people all over the world. Tsunamis, earthquakes, every, here you, you gave me toothpaste to pa pass out in a tsunami where people didn't even, couldn't even brush their teeth, but you cared enough to just go and send and be there. Well, I'm going to finish up with this story. Uh, one of the most effective things I've seen, and I'm, I'm jumping over some stuff here to keep, uh, but this hospital in Kujup, India, any, or uh, Papua New Guinea, anybody been there? Yes, 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 several of you. So you know this well, but 60 years ago, 70 years ago, this did not exist. But you sent a single woman from Scotland, a couple from Australia, a couple from the United States, and they went there into this valley, and they began to preach. One of them preached for seven years, never had a convert, and then the chief got converted, and then suddenly the whole tribe got Fast forward to today, the last women's conference we had in PNG had over 3,000 women just a couple years ago. And now you own all these white top colored buildings in partnership with Papua New Guinea, Australia. You've built those buildings. They house teachers. They house nurses and doctors. And then you support about 50 missionaries there. I hope sometime you get to go. It's one of the most beautiful things I've, I've seen. And then just 20 minutes down the road, you operate the Bible College and the Teacher's Training College. And one of those boards that I showed you earlier, they're wanting to develop the next Nazarene University in Papua New Guinea. They've had the privilege of being with them many times and working with them on their strategic plan. You've, you've supported these missionary surgeons. We don't need nurses there. You did such a great job with nurses, you can't even get a nurse's visa to go to P&G now. The young woman there in the middle was converted in our Santa Cruz church, became a volunteer sponsored missionary. Now she's one of your global missionaries. You pay her monthly salary. This little guy's an up and coming surgeon. Can you see what God has for his life? If, if you can help see that, that's what he can become. But you've got to help him see it. You've got to help him believe. And that's what we do.
you built this $3 million dam because too many people had died on our surgery tables because electricity goes out several times a day in PNG, but not anymore because that thing operates 24-7. The kids think it's a great place to swim and play. Mom doesn't have to do the laundry. They just jump in there with all their clothes. And we were on an island. Vicky and I were speaking in the South Pacific, and a woman came up and said to us, my husband spent a month with a backhoe and built that canal, a sponsored missionary. We had nobody to do that on there, but that saved us tens of thousands of mission dollars, and one of you did that. And that's what we do. Every one of your surgical units has this sign on it. The first time I saw that sign, I just wept. Jesus, you are here. <laughs> you do the healing. We don't bring anything but what you give us in your hands. In our hands, we bring you. And there's so many times we don't have the resources. Every one of your wards are filled. Every one of these nurses takes 12 units of evangelism and church planting. That's a strategic plan. I don't know any place in the world that happens. But you own and operate these classrooms. Without this, that folds. Literally, it folds. And here's a church planted by a nurse. And here's another church planted by a nurse. I could go on and on and on. Churches planted by, they go into a community and take the holistic gospel, medicine, aspirin, ointment, and they care for people and love people into the kingdom of God. I spoke at their commencement a few years back, and on, on the platform with me was this young woman who stopped me in the second airport we were in. I was going out of the country. She was going back home. I said, Lydia, what are you going to do? She said, well, I've been trained with medicine to love people. And I'm going back to community. There's no clinic. And there's no Nazarene church. Well, you know what Lydia's going to do. And that's what Christ has sent us to do. Say this with me, would you? And when we get to the word Samaria, would you put in the word Nampa? Because the book of Acts, as you know, is still being written by you through the Holy Spirit. Let's say it together. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and Nampa, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what's your mission? You've got one. Theo's 95 years of age. She complained, Pastor John, she lives in Perth, Australia. They've taken my license away. I thought I've lost my mission. She said, you know how I've loaded up my car with things and taken it to the outback and work with Nazarene missionaries. And I thought I couldn't do that anymore. But then I discovered something called Uber. <laughs> and she said, they pull up and that Arabic speaking man helps me load my boot. And then we drive an hour out to the outback and I work with uh, Shin, um, our Nazarene missionaries, most of them are Koreans. And she said, I spend the, uh, half a day and the, the, the clock is running, but she said, I pay the bill. And when I get into the car, I ask them, what's your name? My name's Theo. She's this tall. She said, I'm not intimidating anybody. I say, can I pray for you? Not a one of them has have told me not to pray for him. She said, Pastor John, I thought my ministry was gone. God just expanded my ministry. She said, a couple of these brothers have come into the kingdom. And this guy lives in your town. He's 11 when this picture was taken. He heard some stories like this in, by a missionary in this area. And he said to his mom, Mom, I want to care for the kids in Sao Paulo. So they made that sign. And they went out here somewhere along a sports field with a bunch of Costco hot dogs and drinks. And he sold $248 worth of hot dogs, profit. And he sent it all to Brazil, just like you, Brother Dave. He's a part of that mission. So thank you. Vicki and I are so grateful, as Vicki said. We're here to say thank you. This, without this, so much of what we're doing around the world. You know, I think of Church in Action and, and your ministry there. Those kinds of things don't happen without all of us working together. And the Holy Spirit orchestrates the church. You're going to take an offering, I think, and just thank you. That goes. We've got projects Waterwells sponsoring young people who are getting their PhDs. 
We're very grateful. Scott, thanks for letting us come. Pastor Dave, thank you for letting us come. Thanks, man. Thank you. I want to take just a moment and have you take that card. Um, you may be ready today to turn that in. We also, in just a moment, are going to take an offering to conclude our service. Uh, you can give and support John and Vicki in this way, um, or you can also do that through here. Uh, if you want to give a check this morning, designate that uh, for the Moors. We will make sure that we put that towards the offering, loose offering today that comes in, or those of you online or here can give online and designate that as well online. Um, but as you get that ready, let me just close with just uh, two thoughts. Um, as he said, uh, we met each other years ago on a trip to Kitsvarta, Hungary. Um, one of the coolest things that happened in that trip was Debbie couldn't come. That wasn't the cool part. The cool part was because she couldn't come, I took Noah with me. And Noah was probably about 13 at the time. And one of my favorite things that happened there, we, we stopped at a, at a uh, on the way to Kitsvarta, the bus stopped at a little um, a convenience place to fill up the, uh, the tank. And Noah bought chocolates and uh, he didn't know this, but he had bought rum balls and uh, he thought he was buying malted milk balls and he got in the the bus and he threw one in his mouth and he immediately sprinted out and <laughs> puked it up on the ground like it was wonderful um, the cross-cultural experience was amazing um, but if you were to ask me uh, in Noah's life today what has made him so committed to Christ I would say well one it's because he heard amazing sermons his whole life uh, but secondly um, our kids had the opportunity to be missional and to see what God is doing in the world. And at a young age began to realize, oh, I am part of a story that is much bigger than myself. And I've been invited to participate in God's redemptive work in the world. And I say that to say, not just in giving, involve your children in that, like this picture that we just saw. But even as we think about the Southeast Asia project, pray about how to get some of our young people connected to that as well, to get a vision uh, for what God is doing in the world and that story that will capture their heart and life as well. Um, but I would also say, I, I was praying this week for a, a pastor friend of mine who's about to try to raise $4 million at their church. And as I was praying for him, I prayed that God would not give that in one gift, would not bring a rich person with a check for $4 million to solve their problem but that, we, that God would bring a whole bunch of hearts within the church that would take steps of faith and so that rather than one miracle being answered, that God would answer a whole bunch of miracles that would lead to this great opportunity. And what I love about Faith Promise is that that's the invitation. It's not for a few people to solve this problem. It's for all of us to participate together in ways that are more than what we think God can do to allow God the opportunity to work in all of our lives to participate in this. And so I want to invite you to do more than what you can easily do. And so if you're ready for that today, turn that in. If you're not, bring the card back next week or the week after. Uh, we'll take it for the next couple of weeks. But, but take time to pray about it and have God tell you how you ought to participate in this as well. Because you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not worth anything anymore. And you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. And nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel basket. But you put it up so that it will bring light to the whole house and so that people will see what God is doing in the world and give Christ glory. God, help us today as we give. Thanks for John and Vicki for their life of mission and ministry. Uh, use this offering to bless the work that you still have for them to do. Thanks that we get to participate in all these good things that we've seen today. And I pray as we enter another fiscal year for us and as we consider what we're going to do in faith promise, it's really not what we will do, it's what you'll do through us. And so open us up to what you want to do this year and may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Ushers, would you come forward?
and now unto him who by his power at work within us is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. To him be glory in us, this people he has called his church, but most of all in his son, our Lord, Jesus Christ, now and for all generations. And God's people said, amen, amen, go in his peace.